very good morning to you. I'm Howard Feldman. This is the Sunday Synthesis Podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and Dr. Anton Myberg. It is the 23rd of May, 2021, and we are, it appears, in the middle of the third wave here in South Africa. On Friday, Dr. Myberg sent out the following message. There is no doubt that the SARS-CoV-2 surge that we are seeing is now far more contagious than the previous two waves. A number of people who are ill with COVID managed to get the J&J vaccines as part of the trial. It is only 60% effective against COVID-19 in general and 80% effective against severe COVID. Having had the vaccine does not guarantee that you won't get COVID or that you won't, it won't be severe enough to necessitate admissions to hospital. The South African variant is deadly. Behavior cannot change. He goes through the list of behavior and then he says uh, there is no magic pull to cure COVID-19. We are still relying on exactly the same medications as last year. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. COVID is unpredictable as some of you who have been exposed to it might know. And this is the part that, uh, that concerned me most. The healthcare workers are exhausted and burnt out. I personally am finding that my empathy for people who have flouted recommendations and contracted COVID-19 is at an all-time low. We have just had enough. Dr. Anton Marburg, that is very, very uh, concerning. That, that message that we received from you on Friday concerns me greatly. Over the weekend, I managed to have a conversation uh, with GP uh, Dr. Michael Zetzer. He's, he echoed the same thing. He said, they are, he is broken. He's getting two to 300 messages a day, most of which are, are, are the same thing. My child went to a, a party, didn't wear a mask, must they be in quarantine? It, it becomes absolutely exhausting. You clearly talking to us from the hospital this morning. When we chatted earlier, you told me you had been there since 4.30. It's not pretty. How, how exhausted are you really? Good morning. Um, yeah, I won't lie. I'm a little bit tired today. It's one of those days, uh, but we carry on the fight. Um, there are currently 167 million cases worldwide with 3.4 million deaths and 148 million cases resolved. The United States has 33.8 million cases with 603,000 deaths. India has 26.5 million cases with 299,000 deaths. And South Africa has 1,632,571 cases with 55,772 deaths and 4,236 new cases in the last 24 hours. That is our highest number since the 3rd of February 2021. Gauteng currently has 1,919 cases in hospital with 474 in ICU and 176 currently ventilated. The daily positivity rates of tests is 9.7%. And Hatsola ended last week with 107 new cases and has now got 16 new cases within the last 24 hours. Right, so looking, looking quite, quite concerning, but I'm not letting you off that easily. Let's go back, now that we've covered the numbers, let's go back to the message that you sent out on Friday. Where were you? What, what preempted that? What made you write a message that, that you did, that you needed to communicate to people? So I think we're seeing that the numbers are just flying in fast and furiously. The number of cases that are being admitted are just going up. We're seeing more cases per family compared to the first and second wave, whereas we've said before in the first and second wave, we saw maybe one person in the household or two people in the household. Here we're seeing multiple people 
actually getting admitted with COVID-19. And we also see that people have just basically let it ride. They think if they've been vaccinated, well, they can drop their guard now. Um, they don't have to worry about social distancing, don't have to worry about wearing masks. And people are having parties, people are going to social events, no one is following the rules. At the end of the day, there's two subsets of people that suffer. The patient themselves when they contract the disease and the medical fraternity. And the medical fraternity are tired. We've been working on this for over a year and a half. It's a tiring, grueling, exhausting type of work that most of the time when you're dealing with severe cases in ICU doesn't end well. And eventually you reach a turning point or a pinnacle where you basically say, I can't do this anymore. Please help us. We cannot carry on like this. And the only way to get things right is for the public and for people around us to just follow the rules. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the important thing is that we don't have to accept the inevitability of COVID. We can prevent it for ourselves and for our families if we actually take the precautions that we're meant to be taking. There's no doubt about it. The precautions are there. The non-pharmaceutical interventions are there to help and prevent the spread of COVID. And then we know they work. There's no doubt about it. I mean, people always say, I was so good, I don't know how I got COVID. Well, actually, you weren't so good. You actually did drop your guard without realizing you weren't wearing your mask when you went to the shops or when you entertained people at your house and you took off your mask and had a meal with them. And you've got to actually up the game now. We need to up the game because we're going into our third wave. We're in our third wave. We're in our flu season. We're in our winter season. Things are going up dramatically from an infection point of view. Um, the numbers are dramatically rising. And we've only got a few hundred thousand people vaccinated. We need hundreds of thousands to millions of more people vaccinated before we can say we've got this under containment. And that's what we need. And we just got to realize that a vaccination does not equal immunity to COVID-19. A vaccination means that if you do by chance get COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 again, it will hopefully be of a lesser form. It will be milder, more moderate, and you won't need to be admitted into hospital, but you can still transfer the virus to other people and you're still contagious and you're still able to pick up the virus. So let's just uh, talk about that. You are clearly seeing people that have had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine um, becoming infected. How, how many, how serious is it? What kind of uh, response are they getting once they contract the, the virus? So we've seen a number of people who've contracted SARS-CoV-2 post getting the Johnson & Johnson, and that's with people who actually had the virus when they got vaccinated, or people within a week or two which have dropped all their guards and they've not been wearing masks, that have actually contracted the virus through social interaction, the majority of people we're seeing, I'd say about probably 95%, are not getting affected badly. They're getting myalgia, they're getting a bit of fever, a bit of muscle pain, um, they're feeling fatigued and tired. But the whole point of the vaccine is to prevent them from needing to be admitted into hospital. There are always going to be breakthroughs. There's not one vaccine that we have at the moment that is 100% effective in preventing breakthroughs. So there will be breakthroughs. And these are the people that we hopefully will get out of hospital, even if they go into hospital and are, are moderately to severely ill. But the point is that the vaccine will help them provide some sort of antibody response that they can fight off this virus. So at this stage, you're not concerned that whatever's going on around us now um, is 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 has made the Johnson & Johnson va- uh, vaccine 
worthless or, or no good? No, I definitely don't believe it's worthless. I definitely believe that the bottom line is we need to get vaccinated, whether you can get the Johnson Johnson or whether you can get the Pfizer vaccine, either or. The easier part is obviously the Johnson Johnson is a one-off. The Pfizer vaccine is a two-off vaccine. And it's very important that because people have got to realize you can't just have one dose of the Pfizer. You have to have both doses of that Pfizer vaccine. But we don't believe that if you've had the, the, the Johnson Johnson vaccine, like the majority of people who've had vaccines in this country have had, that it's showing a failure or a bad response to what we, we're seeing in the country. Okay, so let's just talk about when this vaccine, either of these, the Johnson & Johnson or Pfizer becomes effective. Because when I look at the questions, and thank you everybody for your literally hundreds of questions, what we've done as, as we have done during other surges is we've grouped them together. We've taken a look at what the themes are that, that you're asking us. So if I don't ask your specific questions, because I've grouped them with others. So m multiple questions around how long it takes following the Johnson & Johnson vaccine to have some immunity, how long it takes following the first Pfizer, because in South Africa, at this stage, people have only would have been only able to achieve one, one uh, vaccine if it's Pfizer. Take us, through, take us through the immunity process. So I think let's start with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. One starts developing a modicum of, of immunity within the first week to two weeks after receiving the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And ideally, after about four weeks, you should start getting the main immunological response up to about six weeks, where we see a robust immunological response from the Johnson Johnson vaccine. With regards to the Pfizer vaccine, after you've had the first dose, you've probably got about a 50% effectivity of immunological response. Um, but if you don't have the second dose, Wait, then you sorry, won't have... After, what, after how long after having the first Pfizer? Is it the same so period? probably about... Two, two to three weeks, you really will have that, okay? But it's not a robust, I want to say, it's not a robust response. And if you don't have the second part of the vaccine series, then your immunity won't last as long. It's definitively a two booster, or it's a second booster vaccine that's given with the Pfizer. The recommended time is 21 days. And, and I think that's the caveat that we've got to put out there. Yes, it is 21 days, and it is good to have it in 21 days. But most countries, ours included, do not have enough stock of the Pfizer vaccine. So they're pushing that up to 42 days, which is acceptable with the limited vaccine availability. Studies have shown in LB people over the age of 80 that there's a three times greater antibody response when they receive the vaccine six weeks after the first vaccine dose was given. So I don't think there's an issue getting it three weeks later or six weeks later um, the CDC even say that if you by some chance something happens and you actually miss that six-week dose, you should still get your second vaccine dose at a later stage to boost your immunity. You shouldn't just leave it if you've missed that actual time period when you're supposed to have it. And at this stage, those are the two vaccines available in South Africa. Has there been Correct. more research about the Sinovac or the Sputnik V? So I haven't really heard much about the Sputnik. Um, I know that there was an article out on Eyewitness News or News24 saying that um, they're looking at boosting healthcare workers with the BioVac coming from India. Um, that remains to be seen what that, that actually really does or what it means. What, um, what is that? Is that a completely new vaccine? That's an in, the Indian vaccine, yeah. So, so it's basically, you know, a second booster. But the question you've got to look into is, 
would you want the BioVac or would you want a booster with one of the mRNA sort of vaccines like the Pfizer vaccine? And I think most people tend to, would, would want to have a second vaccine with an mRNA vaccine. It has been shown in studies in Spain, they took a study with the adenovirus with the AstraZeneca vaccine, and they gave people a booster of the mRNA Pfizer vaccine a few months later, three to four months later with good response. So there's lots of articles coming out about it. There's lots of research coming out about it. And there might be a stage when people who've had their Johnson Johnson might need a booster down the line. And, uh, and your, your thoughts, your guts on that is that we, we probably will need that? So I think that specifically people in the front line wow. will probably benefit from having a booster. I'm not sure if everyone will need it, but I, I also can't say it will be a bad idea. Like, I'm not convinced it'll be a bad idea. You know, you might have side effects from it. Um, no. It might give you a better neutralizing antibody effect and improve your immunity. But the point is, we've also got to make sure we get people vaccinated with the first vaccine before we run and jump and take away vaccines from other people. So if you have got your first Johnson & Johnson, remember that yeah. you're a very so small minority of people. And, you know, probably for healthcare workers, they might need to actually boost them, but at a later and stage. I'm just, I just want to add, Healthcare workers and hypochondriacs. I think, but but of course, hypochondriacs need three or four at least. I think they should be included in that. We, you know, we do have sure. a, a, you know, it's a comorbidity. Anyway, um, lots and lots of people asking questions around uh, closing offices, closing schools. From a synthesis perspective, uh, based on information and discussions with you, uh, we decided, and because everybody's so well equipped to work remotely, we made the decision on Friday to keep the office closed for the next few weeks to prevent spread um, amongst staff. Uh, you, you obviously are getting lots and lots of questions around uh, schools as well. Give us your thoughts. So I think that... From a personal point of view, we want to keep the schools open as long as possible, but obviously as safely as possible. That's our deal. I want my kids to be at school. They want to be at school. From an emotional point of view, from an anxiety point of view, we need to keep the kids at school as long as possible, as long as we deem it safe. Each school will take their, their requirements into, into hand and decide what their, their caseload is, how many cases they've got per class, whether there's teachers and students involved, how many are involved. And together, their school governing body and their medical advisors will make a decision. But I have heard rumblings about the certain uh, education departments aiming to close schools in the next week to two to three weeks because of the high viral load and the high spread in Gauteng and because we are seeing more cases in children. It doesn't definitely mean we have to close right now, but I think we've got to gear up. We are all geared up. We all know that we've been through the whole Zoom experience mm -hmm. And we do know that it is going to happen again. I think we've got to realize it's definitely going to happen again. It's out of our control. Unfortunately, the numbers are just going up dramatically. And we are in our third wave. So we've got to be realistic about it. Yeah. It's just yeah. a matter of timing when. And we're going to try sort of postpone it as long as possible and as, as long as it's as safe as possible. But playing devil's advocate, why would we do that? Surely if we know it's inevitable that we might have to close schools for a week or two. Shouldn't we be closing them immediately, breaking the cycle, and then hopefully reopening sooner? Look, I think, I think we're looking at it from a different angle. If you're looking at the fact that the spread is coming inside the school, then you should right. close straight away. Ah. And, and that's the integral part of the question. So if the spread is not coming from inside the school, if the kids aren't spreading inside, which I don't believe they are, 
I think it's coming from outside the schools and the social social things. Remember, schools are kept in bubbles. The kids yeah. wear their masks. We're not talking about play schools. We're talking about the, the older schools where they wear their masks, they social distance. I mean, the primary school kids are the best of the whole lot. They, they, they do it really effectively. It's amazing how quickly and, they've been used to this. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So, and that, that's why we don't want to close as well because they can maintain it. And because, once again, the post-traumatic stress that these kids are going through and the anxiety – and the nervousness and, and everything they're going through, we're trying to avoid closing as much as possible. But obviously, when it is deemed necessary, the schools will be closed. Right. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Um, Ian says, uh, what is the vaccine registration process for people under 60 with comorbidities? Um, have I, ha having a really compromised immune system, is it, it's not possible to stand in queues for lengthy periods of time, especially in the midst of a third wave. Yeah, so look, I mean, there's no doubt that the last week has been a, a major up for the vaccinations. I mean, a lot of more vaccination sites have opened for people over the age of 60, um, whether it's the, the private or the public facilities that have opened. You need to go in the EVDS, that's the electronic um, the registration system, and register for it and wait for your, your voucher to come up. You've got to get a voucher in order to, to get registered. Um, it's a very different situation to what it was two or three weeks ago when we were ending a trial and they were going to have leftover vaccine that was going to go to waste. We're now in a situation where there's a controlled rollout of the vaccine to go to people over the age of 60 with comorbidities and people now need to wait for their chance and people need to get those people vaccinated while they're going according to the government program. Right. Um Question, what about somebody with Guillain-Barre syndrome um, is, or had Guillain-Barre syndrome some time ago? Uh, is it still safe to have the vaccine? Still safe to have the vaccine <coughs> if you've had previous Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, you know, most of the immunological conditions or most of the conditions where you've got decreased immunity, it is still safe to have the vaccines. All right. Again, lots and lots of questions about um, uh, Harold saying uh, uh, regarding the second phase of the Pfizer first jab, we were told the follow-up should be three weeks. So that's, that's the question that you answered before. It's been pushed to 42 days. It is reasonable within 42 days. After that, it's not ideal is what you're saying, but still get it if, if you can. Does that... Yeah, does that I, think 40, 40, I think 42 days is, is, is really good. I think pushing it further than that, we really start to look for trouble. But I think, you know, let's cross that bridge and we get there. Let's first get people vaccinated with their first one, at least, to start the ball rolling. Remembering, though, and, and once again, once you've had your first vaccine, you are not immune. You are not covered. You have to still behave. You have to still follow all the rules. Once you've had your second vaccine, you still got to follow the rules. Even though two weeks after the second vaccine, you should have a robust immunological response you still can transfer it to other people. We are not in the United States of America where we've got over 50 million people vaccinated, where there's a containment happening, where in certain places you can take off your masks. That's not going to happen here for a long time until we can actually contain the virus. And uh, Sherry Fanerov says, um, I, I'm not sure finished recording with Anton today. If possible, could you also... Um, discuss with Anton and discourage teams from registering on the EVDS. And that's really what you've actually just said is, is you know, it's one thing when the Johnson & Johnsons are going to waste if we don't use them. It's entirely another to register when older people need to get the vaccine. Uh, need to get the vaccine or in line for the vaccine mm -hmm. with comorbidities. 
it's their right now and it's their, their time to get it. The, there's a big problem with the vaccines from the one point of view is that they're standing in lines in the queues. And I don't know what the answer to that is. You know, you can say that uh, it might be a super spreading event, but then when you go there, if you, you know there's going to be long queues, take a mask, wear a visor, and take your sanitizer with you and just try and protect yourself. But we have to get everybody vaccinated. Right, in fact, uh, absolutely. There's, there's also been, and, and I'd love your advice on this, when things were quieter, people organized functions, uh, even if they were, were smaller, safer, functions that are, are coming up now in the next couple of weeks. What is your advice to people who might have a wedding planned or uh, some event planned over the next couple of weeks? Look, it's a very slippery slope, and I wouldn't want to be in that position where I've got a, a wedding planned in the next week or two for the sole reason that is that's going to be a super spreading event. You know, we know historically in the last few months when people have weddings, masks come off, people dance together, they hold each other up, they hug each other, they, they kiss each other, they drink alcohol, they imbibe, and all the social rules are just dropped. So if you are having a, a social function or an engagement, follow the rules. You know, it's not easy. No one's saying it's easy to follow the rules, but it's your duty and your responsibility as the host of a function to make sure the rules are enforced so that your function doesn't become a super spreading event. Because remember, whoever's at your function, if we're talking about a wedding, you've got young people, they've got parents, they've got grandparents, and they're going to take that virus home with them and spread it to them. And that's under your responsibility. Right. If, uh, if one has had COVID, must they still have the vaccine? Definitely must have the vaccine. Uh, we see the vaccine now as a booster to someone who's had COVID to the antibody response and to the immunological overriding system. So I've just had the pneumococcal vaccine. How long should I wait to be vaccinated? So with all their vaccines, whether it's a pneumococcal vaccine, whether it's Prevnar 13, whether it's influenza vaccine, wait two weeks before you get the vaccine for your COVID-19. Is it safe to have the vaccine if one's got a blood clotting condition? So that's a very good question. And it's a very good question because we understand that with the earlier studies from the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson, that was a very rare thing that people did get central venous sinus thrombosis and sort of clots, but it was a extremely small proportion of people who got those clots. Generally, people who have got clotting abnormalities are on blood thinners, so it's safe from them from that point of view. I think the overriding thing here is you need to discuss it with your physician who's treating you. There's now two different vaccines available. There's the Johnson Johnson and the, the Pfizer vaccine, and you need to discuss with them which one they think is more relevant for you to have. It still is safe to get the Johnson Johnson if you've got a clotting disorder. It's still safe to get the Pfizer if you've got a clotting disorder. But every person's got different intricacies into their own disease and needs to discuss with your own medical professional. How long after you've had the vaccine are you able to donate blood? Generally, after vaccines, the blood service waits at least four to six weeks. So it's, uh, you've got to wait a while before you can do that. Right. Um, how long, um, can you have a vaccine with a cold? And if not, how long should you wait? I think it's a very relevant so, question. Because yeah, I think especially that, going into winter. Mm -hmm. oh. mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't know what the effect of a cold is on your immunity together with a vaccine, if it can heighten the type of immune response or can dampen the immune response for that, say, for that point. So we say that if you've got a fever or if you're coughing, or if you've got parallel sputum with greenish mucus, that type of thing, rather just wait two weeks until you're better, 
before you get your, your vaccine. If you've just got a sniffly nose and you haven't been around people and you know it's not COVID or you've tested and you know it's not COVID, then you can go ahead and have the vaccine. All right. I'm just going to recommend that we don't use the word sputum before 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm just saying. Um, it's what surely I, a hypochondriac like you makes sputum for breakfast. I mean. Okay, can you just stop it? Just stop it. That's, that's, that's so unpleasant. What are your thoughts about pregnant women having a vaccine? So, once again, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommends all pregnant women have vaccines. Um, while we had the Sasanke trial here, the Johnson Johnson trial, pregnant women were not uh, advised to have the Johnson Johnson, but the Pfizer vaccine has been advocated overseas for pregnant women. Um, I think just an important statement there is that you've you got to realise that when a pregnant woman does get COVID-19 severely, it's far worse than the side effects from a vaccine than it actually are from not getting the vaccine. Okay, I think that's very, very important. Uh, is it safe for religious gatherings to still remain open? So I think if you're having religious gatherings, you've got to curtail the numbers. I think we've got to go back to how we were in the middle of the second wave and the beginning of the first wave to say, People over the age of 60 with comorbidities shouldn't be at the religious gatherings. Make sure they're socially distanced. Make sure you've got excellent aeration. Keep the numbers down. Keep masks on. Even the people who are giving the sermons, keep your mask on. Even if you're outside or inside, keep your mask on. Just keep your mask on. Keep socially distanced. And if you are by some chance feeling sick or someone in your household is sick, then don't go to, the, don't go to that religious service. Stay away. You've got other people to protect in the whole environment and you've got to actually take the responsibility. Um, Belinda says, I have CVID, common variable immune deficiency, as well as Addison's lupus and asthma and rheumatoid arthritis. Well, uh, that's a lot I think of Belinda should give me a call. I'll show you to see me in about five minutes. It sounds serious. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound serious, but we're actually not yeah. going to be rude. We're going to ask, answer if she can have the vaccine or not. There's no doubt that you have to have the vaccine. Once again, depends what medication you're on. You know, if you're on um, immune suppressants, you just need to speak to your immunologist or your rheumatologist to decide if you can leave them out for that week and have your vaccine and then restart it a week later. And, uh, and Tanya wants to know, should I captain Salah in my fantasy league tomorrow, today? Mo Salah, Mo Salah. You should captain Salah in your fantasy league. And we'll, we'll get to that soon, shortly. Okay, but yes, I, I, I would imagine um, taking a look at, I mean, that's, th th those are really the groupings of, of questions that people have. You know, as I said, we've tried to cover all of these different things. Uh, is there anything else? How, how are we going to help you? Because I'm still perturbed by your message on Friday uh, because it speaks to a frame of mind that you and other doctors are in. It speaks to maybe TST uh, to some extent. I mean, you spoke about the kids, but but undoubtedly our healthcare workers are are suffering and they, they are in danger of, of burnout and everything else that is associated with that. What can we do besides bringing you copious cups of, of decent coffee? What could we do to help you out? So I think it's very simple. Just follow the rules. I mean, I know it sounds cliched and we keep on saying it, but it's really not. Follow the rules. Don't go into social gatherings without masks. Try and avoid social gatherings. 
try avoid arrangements. There should be no sleepovers with your kids. There shouldn't have been anyway, but there shouldn't be. There should be no major parties. There should be no gatherings where people are eating together with more than five or six people where you can't contain the environment. We shouldn't be having drinking fests. You know, wear your masks, wash your hands, social distance. That will help us because that will help curtail the numbers. You know, I'm not in this alone. We're talking about the whole medical fraternity. And we're not just talking about doctors. We're talking about nurses. We're talking about pharmacists. We're talking about physiotherapists. We're talking about all the allied professionals working on the front line. Everybody is exhausted. This has been a rough year and a half, and it's not showing signs of abating. And that's why we need everybody's help. All right. Is there good news? Well, generally, I normally give a few good news pointers. I think I'm going to skip that this week and go to the most important part of the good news uh, session. And uh, who would have thought, other than me and most of the scousers in the world, that Liverpool would be in the fourth position? The Champions League is in our grasp. No one cares about who came second. Let me repeat that. No one cares about who came second, who came third. All we care about is a spot in the Champions League. And it's in our grasp. Come on, you Reds. Let's do it. And my quote for the day. Today will be one of those days where even my coffee will need a coffee. Be safe. Be well. Look after yourselves. Protect yourselves. And look after us. Dr. Anton Marburg, thank you as always. This has been the Sunday Synthesis Podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and Dr. Anton Marburg. Don't forget to subscribe below. It's very important that you do that where you will see these and other podcasts that uh, we bring you. And we'll bring you all the information as and when it is relevant. We'll see you next Sunday. I'm Howard Feldman. Be safe and God bless.